welcome back to Emory's Creativity Conversations podcast. This podcast takes excerpts from the Endowed Speaker Series of the Rosemary McGee Creativity Conversations and turns them into podcasts. I'm Maggie Becker, the host and producer of this podcast. I work for Arts at Emory, and I'm an Emory alum of Theater Studies and Creative Writing. I'm joined long distance over Skype by a fellow Arts at Emory employee and artist, Jackie Pritz, to introduce the Creativity Conversation while we're doing long distance due to the coronavirus. Hi, Jackie. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Jackie Pritz. I am an Arts at Emory employee working under Dr. Candy Tate. I also work as the operations manager of Dance ATL Incorporated and a practicing dancer and choreographer. You are a busy lady. Um, <laughs> what conversation did you pick today to talk about? I picked the creativity conversation with Dr. Alphabet. What was the appeal of that conversation? She is a choreographer and I've had the pleasure of taking a workshop from her with Core Undance. So I had a little bit of context with who she is prior to watching the creativity conversation. Was there anything of note that stuck out to you about this conversation? I just really appreciated her transparency talking about being a choreographer and her process. And she was just very open about like some struggles and it makes it very relatable. Just talking about like working with dancer schedules and the logistics of going into rehearsal like we all have that struggle no matter who you are as a choreographer so you mentioned that you're a dancer are you a choreographer as well yes I am a choreographer and most of the work I've been doing in the dance community in Atlanta is showing my choreography oh can you please talk about maybe your last piece that you choreographed yeah the last piece I choreographed and technically finished was actually a piece about Coca-Cola moving to Atlanta from Florida Florida, I've been thinking a lot about kind of the brand of Coke, like Coca-Cola. It's everywhere. It's national, but its foundings, its history, and headquarters are here in Atlanta. So I thought it would be neat to create a piece that was kind of like personal to the city. That was a really fun piece to play with. I combined contemporary dance with some swing dancing. We have like over 200 Coke products on stage with like the plastic bottles, the glass bottles, the cans and six dancers, one of which is Laura Briggs, who is the art fellow. Just playing around with Coca-Cola and what that brand means to Americans and what it symbolizes and kind of the joy of a Coke. You'll have heard Laura Briggs's interview actually two weeks ago in our last podcast. Talk to me about your journey into researching Coca-Cola and how you developed this piece. Did you talk to people at Coke? Did you go to the Coke Museum in Atlanta? Yeah. Um, I did a lot of research and that's something I really like to do with pieces. I tend to have a focus on history. So I was looking up a lot of like the beginnings of Coke. I read a unofficial biography of the product, watched a bunch of documentaries. I did go to the Coke Museum. It was really fascinating. Super cool. And I did reach out to some people at Coke as well about potential funding. That did not get to happen, unfortunately. But it's just really neat to see the history. Like I said, I combined the vocabulary with swing dancing. And I've had work that I've choreographed before in the World War II era. And this piece is also kind of in that era. So there's swing music, swing dancing, the costuming is very 1940s. Kind of looking at old marketing campaigns of Coke and 
fun fact, this isn't really in the piece, but fun fact that the Santa Claus that we know of and love today was constructed by Coca-Cola. It seems like this piece, and also as you've talked about, your other World War II piece obviously dealt a lot with research. Have you always been research-based in your choreography? Yes. Research really helps guide me in my process. I do feel like, in my experience, my work has been the strongest when I've had a clear idea of what I want to know, what I want to research. I may not know what the final product is, which is what Doffy actually says in the creativity conversation. It's like 99.9% of the time in rehearsal, it's not knowing. And I definitely relate to that. But I like to have some direction, some, some interest. Do you think that you will come out of this social isolating self-quarantine and make a piece about this experience? Or do you think you'll be wanting to put it to rest and go on to work on something else? I have a feeling I'll probably work on something else. However, I know somewhere out there, there will be at least one or two choreographers researching what's happening now. And I've, I've even already seen a couple of work about the social isolation, which I think is awesome. I think my choreographic interests lately have been kind of focusing on joy. Obviously, right now, this doesn't correlate. <laughs> There's opportunities to find joy. How are you finding True. joy while you are in your apartment? I'm keeping myself busy. So I'm very fortunate that I work as an arts administrator. And so that is still going. I get to cuddle with my lizard all day. So that's really great. And I've been just exercising and just giving myself to-do lists. And honestly, that kind of is just keeping me going. Also, finding some time to relax and to know that this isn't permanent and that I know before this, my spring schedule specifically was super packed and dense. So there is a silver lining for me that, okay, I get to pause. And my calendar cleared up a lot. And like, I do have gratitude for that. Jackie, thank you so much for taking the time to share your craft and to help me introduce this creativity conversation with Zafi Altabeb. To our listeners, please enjoy an edited down version of that Rosemary McGee creativity conversation. I hope everyone stays safe and sane. Welcome to our space. Thank you very much for coming. This is the Rosemary McGee Creativity Conversation, and there are a lot of phenomenal conversations that we've had with artists, and so I'm really honored and excited to talk with Daffy Altabev and tell you a little bit about how she's here. We have been wanting to have a semester-long residency with a guest artist for a while, and it's pretty challenging to have that with an international artist. So we partnered with the Israel Institute in D.C., and also I wrote a grant with the Short Center, the Don and Marvin Schwartz Center Residency Grant. And putting those two things together financially brought Daffy here. We couldn't, have, we couldn't have done it without that. But I also want to thank Kendall Simpson. Because it was our first international artist, he worked really hard on her J-1 visa. <laughs> And really the whole thing started because Greg had gone, Catalier, my colleague, had gone to Israel, kind of a, a festival where you're looking at a lot of companies to decide on booking artists. And when he saw her work, he was really moved by it. And he came back to describe the work to us and we were just all sold. She is a choreographer, 
a musician, a teacher, and we share a lot of um, similar philosophical things about how we teach. One of the things I've noticed about her since she's gotten here, and we just started to get to know each other then, is she's a real observer of movement. She's always looking at it, and that's what feeds all of it. So I was curious, have you always been an observer of movement? Is that just your nature, or? I didn't define myself ever, I think, as an observer of movement, but I think that um, I can say about myself at least like five, six years that this is the engine of what brings my desire to create or brings the ideas to a new piece. Even if I come with uh, something with an, with an idea that is probably very raw, uh, usually observing dancers or people that deal with movement is something that uh, brings so much information that wasn't there. And actually now when I'm thinking about the question even more, in the audition, in the first one that we had here, I was thinking to myself but that I can plan so much and I was like chewing and chewing what I'm going to do and writing and thinking and too much thinking before I even arrived. But to think about it so much before you see it, I felt when I sat here that it's like it was such a waste of time because <laughs> this is what is moving me. Like all of the ideas are coming just when I'm in front of people that are moving and sitting and planning like the benefit of just being around it is everything comes up like the same like sitting in your class not thinking about something and you just see people move and ideas comes up. Tell us a little bit about how you became a choreographer. So you just were sharing with me that I was a Girl Scout but she's going to tell you about being a scout <laughs> and then what that led to and what that led to college and everything. Yeah. I was imitating dance as a child a lot, like I was like placing a ladder at home and climbing and, and like creating dance on top of it, like showing in front of the television, Olympic games, trying to imitate what they're doing. It was something that was very much in like what I wanted to do with, didn't have like any um, area of dancing around me. Very uh, creative people and parents, but not specifically dancing. We don't separate scouts to boys and girls. We just, uh, everyone together. And I told Lori that this is all the action that you have, like everyone <laughs> around you. We had a very important festival that happened just in the city that I grew. And it's like familiar in all Israel, like this specific festival that the adult are creating either like a singing um, structure for the uh, youngers or a dance piece has to have a subject and you pick the music and the parents are creating the costumes. It really like intrigued me. I was participating in it when I was uh, younger, but I really wanted to create already for the younger when I started to be like 15 or something like this. And it was a competition. It happens like in the last holiday of the year in Israel. Everyone comes to see it and it's very like stressful because you compete others. And I did it since I was 15, uh, taking it very, very seriously. We were staying until like 12 o'clock at night to create the set for like a one show. I was winning. I am very happy to say that I was winning because it wasn't so easy in my uh, real career. I wasn't winning so fast. And I continued just doing it and doing it even like 
Afterwards, I had to go to the army and uh, I wasn't in the scouts anymore because you finish it when you are 18. But I came back continuing like creating for like 15 years old, 16 years old. And this, I feel that something that really defined my desire to choreograph. I was like working at home, writing what we will do in the next rehearsal. Like everything was like on the pavement, like no like real um, space for dance, but still very serious. So I think that this was like something that really moved me to understand my big desire after um, wishing to be a vet. When I finished the army, I really wanted to be a vet and my parents told me like, we think that we, you too much like animals to be a vet, so maybe choose something else. <laughs> and I chose th that and I feel that also my entering to college was not because I was such a big technician because my background wasn't like so uh, good when I entered the college, but the composition was very, very strong from the beginning. The college really <coughs> helped me to progress and be better and like to take the skill and to take the potential and just make it like bigger. And I can even say that when I finished college, there was like sort of workshop that you get credit for if you, when you come back after you graduate. And I came back after two years and the teacher that I met there was the first one that told me like go to make an audition with your piece and this was my first piece that was like out of the college and since then it just continues so I feel that the college was like a very big push for uh, seeing like the potential and helping it to develop. Perhaps Israel has a movement identity itself maybe we have this impression of it with the companies we have seen or we're familiar with Batsheva or Vertigo or Kibbutz. Where do you feel your work fits into that? Is it very different from that? Or how would you even describe Israeli dance? That's sort of two questions. Okay, so I'll go for the first one. We performed um, five years ago or, or four years ago in Siberia with a duet of mine. At the end of the, of the performance, a dancer that he is also a choreographer that was performing also there came to me after the show. We didn't meet each other. And he was like, wow, it doesn't look like anything that I see or that I saw until now. And he was very familiar of like Bacheva, Kibbutzim, Kibbutzit, Vertigo, and some others. I didn't think about myself until then like that, but I started to understand that because I wasn't a dancer in one of these companies that has a big impact on your body, on the way you move, nothing stayed with me. I wasn't passing the regular system of being a dancer and then becoming a choreographer. I wasn't a dancer in a company. I was dancing for choreographers and they did have an impact on me. But since 2010, I'm not dancing my own pieces. So it's not about how I move. It's about what I choose from other people and how do I make a cake from that. So it doesn't look like others. It looks like what people are bringing into my pieces. Still, they will ho all have something in common that I can defining words except that they are very emotional and they have a specific style how I start a piece how I finish a piece but it's not defined I'm not a gaga mover in Israel you can really see and I can also see when I take dancers to create a piece with me that where do they come from because it's very present on the body I think that what is more interesting for me is like how do they take these high skills because they were part of these companies that train them very, very good. I can just take the hat off and, and say how good they are when they go out from these companies. 
But mostly what is uh, interesting for me is those people that can take this layer of like moving in only in this specific way and just use all their skills uh, that are so developed to create whatever they want. And uh, the second one was like, how can I define an Israeli dance? It's hard, like I can answer about it, but it will be also interesting to hear from you. What do you <laughs> define as Israeli dance? And I don't know if we think the same, but uh, I feel that there is something common between how Israelis behave. It can be from being very open to being rude, to being like there are no borders almost between us, like hugging and touching and everything is very crowd. We don't have like the same space that uh, I observe here and other places that I've been in the state. So it defines something very close between people that sometimes like too much. But this is how I grow, this is how I, I'm used to, and I feel that there is something about that that is not looking for a definition of pretty or how does it look and how does it feel. And I, my intuition to say how does it feel, because there is something in Israel that is like so hard and, and so hot and so sweaty and like, and it's difficult. Yes, it's difficult, but I think that the difficulties creating something very intense Almost like all the dances that I can recognize with are intense in some way. Are your dances intense? I think that they, they are moving. They were very intense in the beginning of my career. There is something emotional intense in them. I remember uh, showing uh, a rehearsal during the process uh, last year in the ADF, we had the Israeli consul sitting uh, watching because she couldn't arrive to the performance. There was this text that the dancers that I'm working with here could hear and you could hear about it. It was going even further more to exposing. I felt, I, I didn't feel that she has some, like any problem with that, but this what was staying with her, like how exposed it is, and how she's not used to hearing like such a personal story so exposed, using any kind of words that needed to demonstrate it. I don't know if I can say about my pieces if they are like, what was the word that we were? Uh, intense. intense. I think that others should define if they are intense for them. Like, uh, yes, I think that most of them, like they will use like, physically, physically yeah, yeah, yeah. they will. Like, I love to see like sweat going like on the air when you see a dance. Like, and I, I like to see human beings on stage. I want to take off all the layers that they wish to be like very beautiful on stage. Like, the, like I don't want people to go out of the, the show and say, wow, it was so beautiful. Well, that is what Greg saw. He saw the, the human beings that are on stage. Um, I want you to tell them a little bit about how dance functions kind of in Israel or how your company does. It's called Daffy Dance Group. I encourage you to go to her website because it's really interesting. Each dancer talks to you, there's a little video, and you really meet each dancer, which is a little different than some of the websites we have here. But just how you find your dancers, they're freelance artists. How does that work in Israel? How do you survive as a choreographer there? How is it supported? by the government, all of those things. Okay, yeah. stop me because okay. it's like, can be like two hours <laughs> what, what complaining important? of how it yeah. works in Israel. <laughs> what feels important?
important to share, I guess, in how we function here as artists and how do you function there? I must say a, a note and to thank you for uh, choosing me to be here because uh, the year that you saw the piece, like we have like this event called International Exposure. It happens once a year. Everyone wants to be part of it. You need to like sort of audition for that. They come to see the pieces uh, that you premiere the same year. It has to be a new piece. It has to perform a certain amount of times uh, before it's accepted to international exposure and it has like a deadline that until the 30th of September, piece that wasn't premiered until this date, for example, cannot be applied. But everyone wants to be because like this is our ticket to show our culture to everyone that comes and it's a very, very good one. It's arranged good and um, it's hard for the curators, but it's a good one. And the year that you came was actually a year that I applied with a, a piece that I already showed a year before. But a year before, I, I was like chosen to do it in a day that everyone was very tired and many didn't arrive. And I was like begging, please allow me to do it, even in a studio, no lighting, it doesn't matter me, just let me show it again. It was like a very exceptional and they said yes. So I'm very lucky that it was a yes this year, even if it was for very little amount of people, because it could still like affect how it works for me. Like there are companies in Israel, again, we will say Bacheva, which is the biggest one, biggest in terms of like how many dancers are there. There is the company, they have the ensemble that works as a company that perform abroad, that perform in Israel. Their dancers are paid like in like salaries and they have like all the insurance that they need. And most of the time people that work for this company and others like Vertigo, like the Kibbutzit, there is like also um, in Balpinto's company, most of them cannot do other projects because when they finish the rehearsal, they have no more energy to do anything else and they work every day. What define a company? A company is like their budget, like how much they are supported from the government. And this is a huge subject by itself of like what creates your budget is like how many times you perform, where do you perform, like the Israeli government really support performing outside of the center. Like if Tel Aviv is the center, so perform more, you will get more credit, you will get more budget. But it's like a different subject that um, needs four hours talking. So I said that so you understand that what is not a company is defined by its budget. How much do you get from the government? If at all, you can be an independent choreographer, not get budget from the government and uh, still create like there is like other institute like the Lottery Foundation, the municipality of Tel Aviv that can give you like some to create. I feel that for me, I define myself like group or a company. I define myself a company because of the way I work, because I work the whole year. My budget will not show it, but the way I work shows it. The dancers that I will work do not work in companies because otherwise I wouldn't be able to work with them. So they are freelancers too. And after they finish working with me, they will go to another rehearsal and sometimes to another one, or they will have rehearsals in the morning and go to teach afternoon. Most of the independent choreographers also, depending on how much budget do they have, we do pay our dancers. Sometimes like I go to a project, not because I have enough budget, I took eight dancers, is because I really want to do a piece of eight dancers. And I believe that 
it will be okay. It's not in the end, it wasn't, but um, it's like a choice. It's like a choice of, okay, I work, I make workshops, I invest my money in that, in creating a piece of eight dancers, or I uh, live more normal and I finish the, the month. So my choices until now was like to just continue doing the art as I want and not because of how I'm gonna get paid. And I can do it because I have a very, very big support from my family and my uh, partner for life. And it's not taken for granted. We work like in a project because of the way the rehearsals work. Because if I now created a men's duet, checking if these two men that I want to work with are free from March till July, we worked every day. We booked the studios like we were every day in a different pace, but still did it in advance. So we are not going to stuck. Ah, it's Wednesday. We don't have a place to work. So it's like in advance plan to have like space for all the rehearsals until the premiere. And then I premiered it with them like in the middle of August. From the minute that the performance is premiering, I don't meet them every day then they don't meet me every day. They're going to their next project. But every time before a show, I'll meet them. We will rehearse if we want to change something. So usually in the first 10 shows after the premiere, there are still stuff that I want to change. So we will do more rehearsals before that. And then like we are performing abroad, we will meet for a week before the performance. We fly, we perform, we go back. And then I will not meet them again. And we do perform almost like every month and a half, two months. There is many workshops going on through the year, like teaching the piece for this dance school for dancers or for high school where they have a major in dance or just giving individual workshop from time to time. But there is a lot of going on. My communication with them is during the whole year. Meeting with them will be every time before a show. Let's step into one of the pieces. Either soon we'll make lots of love. That duet is a new piece. Just help them understand your process a little bit. Tell them more about how you make dances. There is something that runs in my head for all of us. There is something that runs in our head. And if we just like think for a while, we can understand what is this thing that mostly we think about, mostly we want to work on ourselves in this subject. This subject will probably, everything that you read or walk in the street, hmm, it reminds me again how I deal with this subject. So, for example, the, the piece that Greg saw in International Exposure, I was just becoming a mother. Sophia was in the carrier or in my hands all the time. I knew that I want to start a piece. It's not like I need to start a piece. What will it be about? There is something very present in the now. So the thing was just like understanding. I remember that I had a conversation with someone in the cafe in Tel Aviv and I'm talking and I'm talking and after a while I even forgot that I'm holding her because she was all the time on me, on me, on me, on me, with me, going with me here, there, everywhere. I took this sensation, this very strong feeling that is in the body. It's not in my brain. It's like something very physical, something that sometimes is very painful to all the time carry someone, even if it's like a small one, but all the time. 
and that you're like your hand like all the time I get, couldn't like even release them anymore or sleeping in different variation because she's on me like this and so I took this physical strong feeling and I started playing with that in the studio with no connotation of being a mother there was a very small dancer that I wanted to work for a long time and she jumped to my head and I asked her and I didn't look for someone that is small because of that I wanted a baby. I wanted like a, to take the image. For that I wanted someone tall and someone small so she could be carried in many variation but not as his child. And I think that I even brought the meaning of why I chose to do it later in the process and for them it could be a couple and it could be so many other than for people that went to the show no one thought that it's like a father and a, and a child no one and I didn't intend that it will be this is was this was for me and it was enough and for for the audience I took this physical and it was talking about like depending on someone that I feel that is present in all my pieces like probably it's not solved in my personality so I treat it like in every different angle so there is something that goes in my head and I write words that connected to it or there is a song that jumps to my head and then I read the words and I suddenly speak the same of what I want to speak about. And usually it's like very human issues, like they're, no, they're not political because I have no idea in politics, I don't watch television. They're less like global in terms of the world, they're global in terms of like everyone can recognize with this feeling because everyone, even if they're not this kind of person, they know this kind of person. And I talk a lot in the beginning of the process and I try to give as many words that I can to allow the dancers start improvising from this information. And I want to hear really in the beginning what the other people that I'm working with has to say about this subject. Well, let's open it up so that you can ask Dafi some questions. Can I ask a question? Yeah. If for people that works with me or for others that are sitting in the audience, is do you feel that you can define, how can you define Israeli dance if you ever had the chance to watch it? How I would kind of see it or characterize it is actually related to something that you said earlier, this idea of Israel is small and the U.S. is not small. <laughs> There's this sense of, of concentrated awareness within the dance community that, that you don't necessarily see within the U.S. You might see in little pockets of, of like Atlanta or New York or Chicago or whatever, but there's within the U.S. there's just so many different cultures from the West Coast to the East Coast, so the North to the South, and, and our very complicated history that what I get from Israeli dance is that it is about more of a concentrated sensibility or vitalness that, um, that we may not feel or see here. Your company's also toured <clears throat> Korea, China, uh, Brazil. What do you enjoy sharing the most about your culture, I guess, or as an artist with other people? I feel that in general, performing outside of Israel, Israel is so small, Tel Aviv is so small, the dance audience, it's like before a show, you was like, she's gonna come, he's gonna come, like you can, you like have, 
almost like 70% of the audience are people that you know. And it's very stressful because then people are talking. It's not that it's not happening here, but bringing your piece to a natural place that you don't have this like, what do they think about me in advance? What was written about me? Like many, many critics and review uh, in Israel that when I get a review, when I got reviews here, it was less like, okay, she didn't understand me, but there is something of, it's very personal in, in Israel. It's very personal in Tel Aviv. Everyone knows everyone. Bringing your piece to a new place is seeing your piece from a natural place. When I see people moved or touched from something that I brought, it's even more exciting, not because I don't appreciate the Israeli audience, it's because, again, I will go back to Siberia, because for a woman in Siberia to uh, cry for my peace, it was like very moving, because I don't feel that we share the same language, even if there are no words, but still we do, probably because it was human enough to touch her. Other questions? Or? What about movement or dance or choreography are you like most curious about right now? I'm very curious in creating for a big amount of people. Uh, there is something that moves me in terms of composition of many people doing many different things and still there is something that collects them all together. I'm not a person that I don't watch YouTube, I don't search for, I don't, I don't read about other choreographers. Like I go to shows in the last years a little bit less. I find myself more criticizing like, and not enjoying, so the minute that I go to see a piece that was good for me, then there is something about this person that will go with me. Well, thank you for coming. Thanks a lot for having me here, and yeah. such a welcoming. Thank you for listening to this Rosemary McGee Creativity Conversation. This podcast was brought to you by Emory University and Arts at Emory. It was produced by Emma Yarbrough and me, Maggie Becker. Be sure to check out our other podcast episodes and follow us on Facebook at Arts at Emory and Instagram at Emory Arts. Mm-hmm.